Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Well, hey, ARCF family. I hope you're having a great morning so far. Uh, it's Sunday for you. Uh, right now, actually, for me today, it is Friday. Uh, it feels a little bit like cheating, but we are pre-recording the message because uh, we can't have service together because we still can't quite meet inside. But also, it's so smoky. I'm up here in Nevada City at Diamond Arrow because uh, some of you know Rachel, my wife, works here. So we live up here at Diamond Arrow. Uh, but even up here in Nevada City, it's really smoky down in the valley in Sacramento. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's worse. And so because of the bad air quality, we don't want to subject families and especially kids to um, to being stuck outside. Um, so we're stuck inside. <laughs> How weird. But uh, I'm here to deliver the Word of God to you, to deliver our message this morning. Um, I've got my Bible, I've got my notes, and I'm in the middle of the woods. This will probably be the coolest message I have ever preached. Um, some of you know about Diamond Arrow. There's lots of trails and and hills, so uh, when family com camp comes around, you should come up here and and uh, go on a hike or something. But uh, so I get the privilege this morning of hiking through the woods and talking to y'all about Jesus. Um, we uh, are just really grateful. You know what? 2020 has just been a crazy, crazy time. Uh, and Pastor Greg had it on his heart. Um, right as we were starting to get back into somewhat of a normal groove, he was like, you know what? 2020 has just been filled with things that steal our hope and steal our joy. And so we started a message series called Hope 2020. Um, and today uh, my job is to talk to you about hope in the midst of isolation. And uh, oddly enough, here I am isolated. <laughs> But uh, we're going to talk about some of the, dis the differences uh, between that. But really, we just want to see what God's heart is for us today. Um, oh, what is that I spy? Can you see that over there? Someone just set up some chairs and table over there. That's so weird. I just stumbled upon a small camp, almost as if someone had staged a place for a young 26-year-old guy to preach a sermon in the middle of the woods. How weird. Okay, I know that was a terrible acting. There are even deers out here who are booing me for a terrible performance. Um, but I am delighted to, to be here to, to speak with you, honestly. Um, so before we dive into the Word and my notes, uh, I just want to invite you uh, to pray with me. Like I said, it's Friday for me, but it's it's Sunday for you, and there there's no there's no reason to separate ourselves in prayer or, or to say like, oh, that's that's a message is too far away. Sometimes, even when you're watching a recorded sermon, uh, you know, you're on YouTube and and someone prays, you feel a little bit awkward. You're like, do I just like stare at the screen and watch them pray, or do I actually pray with them? And um, there's no reason that even if it's a prayer from a couple of days ago, you can't pray it today. Um, so pray with me if you would. 
Lord God, I just thank you um, for today, Lord. I thank you for um, just your beautiful creation that's all around me. Um, it's such a joy to see the trees and, and to hear the birds and the animals and, and to know that uh, you are the God over all of the universe. You are the king. You created it all, Lord, and you created us. You created us, God, and you care for us, Lord. It is such a marvelous mystery. Um, like David says in Psalm 8, what is mankind that you would care for him? I've seen all of the stars and all of the heavens. How could you possibly care about us? And yet, God, you do. And you don't just care for us in a small way to provide for us, but Lord, you desire to draw us near to you, to draw us near as your children. God, you desire to call us sons and daughters, and we thank you. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. Would you draw us near to you today? Would you encourage our hearts today, God? Would you allow us to see the purpose of life and to live it out today? We love you, Lord. Um, and so we give you this time, whether it's Friday or Sunday, Lord, it is your time. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, let's, <laughs> let's dive on into a really interesting time. Uh, preaching in the woods. Uh, truly, this is like one of the greatest joys I, uh, I've ever had. Uh, so, so like I said, we're, we're preaching this because there, there's, there's so, much, um, so much division and isolation that has happened as a result of uh, the events in 2020. Oh, I see there's a glare right here. Let me move that camera a little bit. Nope, not getting any better. It's getting worse, actually. Ah, eh, eh. There we go. Okay, fine. Uh, you know, between COVID, obviously, has created tons of uh, division and has forced some people to be isolated, but then there's also things like political tension and racial strife that has made people feel alone. Um, and feeling alone is strange. Uh, I would use the word lonely, but I feel like that has a, a, a relational implication. You know, it's got a connotation about it now that lonely means something about, uh, you know, not having a significant other or whatever. Uh, but, and it's a legitimate feeling, but that's not quite what people are feeling right now. It's, they're feeling alone, but alone isn't, isn't really a feeling. It's, uh, it's a state. It is a state of being. Um, it's like that state of being the only one, um, having no one else around. And uh, th this is something that, it, if you don't know the scripture, if you don't know God, um, if you're new to this whole thing, um, the simple truth is that you're never alone. You never are. There, there's no place you can go to escape from God's presence, from his very presence. Um, the, uh, and, and I don't want to just say that as, uh, you know, a pastor at Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. Um, I don't want to say that as a representative of the Church of God that like, well, as an organization, this is our doctrinal statement and this is what we believe. Uh, those things are true and those things are very good, but I just want to be here to speak to you the truth. And um, there are a lot of opinions 
and I have opinions, but um, I want to talk to you about what the truth is. And the truth is that there's nowhere you can go to escape from God's presence. He made everything. He is everywhere, and he is always near to you. Uh, David says it like this in the Psalms. Uh, let me turn there real quick. In Psalms 139, Psalm 139, um, magnificent psalm. It, this, it shows you all of the emotional range of David. But in verses 7 uh, through 12, he says it this way. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or hell, you are there. If I take, uh, it should be the grave. Sorry, if I make my bed in the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even your hand shall lead me and even your hand shall lead me and even your right hand shall hold me if i say surely the darkness shall cover me and the light is about me uh, the light about me be night even the darkness is not dark to you the night is bright as day for darkness is as light with you there's no place you can go to escape from god's presence he is everywhere um and 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 Obviously, you uh, you might say, well, Connor, you were talking about wanting to speak the truth, but that's just another opinion. <laughs> your, your opinion is that God is everywhere. Um, and this is something that I, th I think the moment you become a Christian is the moment that you realize that the truth is not a concept to hold to or a concept to understand, um, but the Knowing the truth isn't about knowing an idea. Knowing the truth is about knowing a person. Jesus says to his disciples, uh, they're asking him, or he, he says, I'm going to go away and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And they said, but Lord, if, if you go, how will we know how to get to the place you prepare? How will we know the way? And he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no way to the Father except through me. Jesus says that you can know about the truth. You can know about these ideas. But knowing the truth means knowing Jesus. And I think that's the moment when you become a Christian is when you realize that it's not about knowing an idea. It's about knowing Jesus himself. And when you encounter Jesus and when you experience his fullness, that's when you know the truth. That's when, the, when you know the truth about the world and what its purpose is. That's when you know the truth about your own identity and who you are. That's when you know the truth about who God is and, and what he thinks about you. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm already preaching. We're, uh, <laughs> this is only the first point. <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. But <laughs> uh, just God loves you so much. So, so much. You are never alone. So if you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to, to seek out his presence wherever you are. You do not have to be in a church building. You do not have to be in the middle of the woods. It might be in the closet of your apartment in the middle of the hood. <laughs> it might be the scariest place. It might be the most joyful place. He is there. He is there. Um, whew, uh, okay, well...
Now where are we going? Ooh. You're never alone. And if you if you are a Christian, there's another way that um, that we hear this talked about. Uh, Paul says this in Romans chapter eight. Let me turn there real quick. I don't want to misquote him. In Romans chapter eight, uh, Paul is talking about the, a similar concept here. He says it this way in verse. 38 and 39, he says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if Jesus is your Lord, then there is nothing that can separate you from him, even death itself. It's just, it's just a momentary thing. He already conquered death. When he died on the cross, he conquered death for once, once and for all. That's what he did. I lost this place marker. Got to put it back. Okay. Okay. So you are not alone. You got that? You're never alone. So even when we are in the midst of isolation, there is hope because we are not alone. Um... Now, uh, obviously, here I am alone, <laughs> just me and God and a uh, camera, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you're here with me. Um, and th this isolation is, is planned. I would call it a retreat. I would say me being alone here in the woods is probably uh, the best thing that I could have done. Retreat is a great thing, and retreat and isolation are not the same. Uh, retreat happens all the time in the scripture. It's often when um, God speaks to people is when they uh, uh, retreat away and they, they find a spot where it's just them and God. Um, you see it in Moses going up the hill, ascending the hill um, and meeting God in a cloud. Um, you see it uh, with, with, also with Moses at the, at the burning bushes is when he is alone um, and uh, you see Jesus himself doing this all the time, where he, he would wake up early in the morning and go alone to be with the Father. Um, now that's not isolation. That is retreat. That is on purpose. That is, that is intentional. Um, that's what we call solitude. Solitude is on purpose. Isolation, isolation is different, and, and we're going to get to that, but this is, this is something that uh, we, I think we see it most evidently with the prophets in the scripture. Um, and there's one guy who his name kind of represents all of the prophets, and that's Elijah. Um, but when you look at the prophets, there are some times where prophets are really popular people and they're hanging out in the, king, in the court of the king. But um, those are also the times when they usually became corrupt. But there was hundreds of prophets and they all met together and they were all friends and popular. Um, but most of the time in the scripture... Prophets were the uh, hated ones. They, they were alone. Um, some of that was by choice, kind of like monks, where they, they, uh, w they made a vow of solitude, and they, they uh, were like, it's just me and God, and he's going to speak to me. Um, and that's, that's fine. That, that kind of solitude to just hear the voice of God is very good. Um, 
But so they spent a lot of their time alone and they would hear from the Lord and the Lord would give them messages and then they would go and deliver these messages to whoever, wherever God was telling them to go. Um, and Elisha was one of these guys who was just often alone. Um, but then there's also a moment when like <laughs> Elijah just has his greatest victory. Um, God calls him to go to King Ahab and and to to say, you are just a, a terrible king of Israel. You have done wickedness. You have you have made a mockery of who God is. You've made statues and temples to other gods. Uh, and I'm here to show you that God is uh, the only true one God who is powerful. All these other gods, they are just, uh, they are minuscule compared to the power of Yahweh. And so they, uh, they, they, have a, a battle, <laughs> a battle of, of the prophets. There is Elijah. He's the only prophet of Yahweh. And then there's like 150 prophets of Baal and, or Baal. Um, and he, they set up an altar and they put a bull, they sacrifice a bull on it. And, and Elijah says, you, you call out, you cry out to Baal and he, uh, and ask him to send fire down to, to, uh, consume this whole altar in the bowl and so they cry out for hours and and they're performing rituals to try to uh you know speak to the ear of Baal to to send fire to prove his power um and they just cry and cry and cry and they never hear anything um they even get to the point of hurting themselves to attempt to say Baal will you hear us and Elijah makes fun of them uh, it's a great story. Uh, you should read it. Read, I think it's First Kings seventeen. Um, but then, but then Elijah, he even throws water onto the altar and onto the bowl, and then he prays to the Lord. He says, "Will you prove your power to all these people?" And and Yahweh sends fire down and consumes the whole altar, and uh, and the prophets of Baal are defeated, and it is proven that Yahweh is the one true God. He is the powerful one. He is he is first over every god. And so Elijah, like, you know, he just proved Yahweh's supreme, uh, supremacy. He, he He's shown that he is most powerful. And then he hears about Jezebel, who is a, the wicked queen, wicked wife of the king. And she um, hates him, hates him, hates him, hates him, wants him dead. And he runs and he hides. In fear, he literally he he just had the greatest victory ever, and then he's scared at this one. He just proved that God is most powerful; could send down fire from heaven if he needs to. And then he hears about this queen who wants to kill him, and he runs and he hides. Um, and he says, "God, it, it is enough. Just take me, Lord, take me. Just take me." And he he isolates himself. He isolates himself in fear. And even in that moment, God speaks to him. God speaks to him and he, and he tells him, like, you are going to be okay. You're actually going to anoint more kings. You are going to anoint a prophet to follow you. And look, I've even, there are even 7,000 more people in Israel who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Uh, 7,000. You are not alone, is what, is what um, God says to Elijah in the midst of his isolation. We have another example of 
isolation uh, that doesn't turn out <coughs> nearly as well. Um, but this is King David in Second uh, Samuel. Let me. I think it's chapter eleven. The story of David and Bathsheba. Yeah, Second Samuel eleven. And this story is different because King David is spoken of as one of the most righteous people. Um, he he is a man after God's own heart, and that is righteousness. To be near to your to to be near to God as your father, to desire to know His heart and to fulfill His heart. Um, and that story starts out by saying, in chapter eleven, that. It was the time where kings go to war and David was at home. <laughs> so all of the other kings of all of the other nations are out at the battlefield. And here King David says, uh, I'm just going to stay home this time, guys. Um, and he isolates himself. He separates himself. He's not where he's supposed to be. He isolates himself and... And what happens? Well, he, he takes a little stroll. After napping on the couch, he takes a little stroll on his roof and sees a woman who's bathing and, and says, wow, she's really pretty. Hey, guys, who's that? <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's uh, Bathsheba. She's, uh, one of the, she, she's the wife of one of your soldiers. And uh, he invites her over for uh, tea and cupcakes. Um, and then one thing leads to another, and, and she's pregnant and... And then now David is caught in the middle of this great cover-up where he, he ends up killing Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. All for the sake of his own pride and, and reputation. And, and that's a moment where David isolated himself. For some reason he felt like he didn't want to go where he was supposed to go. And he put himself in isolation and it was just a train wreck, a train wreck. And that's different from solitude. Being alone on purpose is great. But putting yourself in a spot where you are alone for no good reason, it's just not right. It's just not right. Um, COVID and racial strife and political tension has put a lot of us in that place where we uh, feel alone. Um, and the difference is if you are put into that place, um, you still have an opportunity to respond and to either make it a point of solitude. That's today. That's what today is. I'm forced to be alone because we can't meet on Sunday uh, because it's too smoky and we can't meet inside. And uh, so, so this is intentional. Um, and having retreats like this is intentional and very, very good. I'm going to be alone with God. Yes, that is what I want to do. I want to speak with him. Um, I want to meet with him. Um, that's good. But, but the problem that we come across is when we are forced into isolation and then we choose to wallow in it or we choose to uh, add to our isolation. Um, or sometimes you just choose it willingly and say, now, nah, like, I don't, I don't want to talk to any of you guys. I, I, I can't. I can't even listen to any of you. Um, so that that's what isolation is. Um, and uh, 
uh, I, I want to read. I, I took a, I took some notes here of of just some things that I think um, are complications as a result of 2020. So I, I made a, I made a list. So it's a little bit long, but just here we go. Listen, so, some results of 2020. Uh, unhappiness or decreased enjoyment of life, family conflicts, relationship difficulties, social isolation. Hey, we were just talking about that. Problems with drugs, work and school problems, you know, not getting work in on time, not arriving on time, not being able to be there in person, uh, legal problems or, or, or financial problems, uh, poverty, homelessness. Uh, self-harm and abuse, uh, literally a physically weak immune system, and even heart disease. These are all complications that I, I can see happening as a result of, of these things in 2020. But a lot of these complications come as a result of things that are happening inside of us, uh, inside of our hearts and our minds. And so here are some of those uh, causes, I think. Feeling sad or down, confused thinking or, or lack of concentration, uh, excessive fear, uh, or even guilt, extreme mood changes, withdrawal from friends and family, exhaustion, detachment from reality, sometimes even delusional thinking, uh, the inability to cope with daily problems, uh, trouble understanding others, not being able to see eye to eye. Uh, and sometimes it's it's even it's even drugs or changes in eating eating habits or even our 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 sex lives if you're married, uh, excessive anger, um, and and even suicidal thinking. These things can cause all these other complications. Does that sound like 2020 to you? It does to me. It does to me. See, because isolation is a mental battle. This is a mental battle that we are fighting. These things that I just listed are true, are, are accurate to 2020, but also that is a list of symptoms and complications from mental illness. Things like depression or anxiety or even schizophrenia. These things that, that warp our mind and, and affect our ability to think clearly. A lot of these, some, some, some mental illnesses are brought about as a result of uh, genetics, who your parents are and what their lives were like. Sometimes it's about the situations that happened when you were born and how you were raised. But some mental illnesses can come about just as a result of stress and difficult situations. Um, and... I know mental illness is a big taboo word that um, that you can't talk about, but I wanted to show you the reality of of some of some of these things are are just uh, the reality that we're living in right now, um, and and mental illness is not anything to be ashamed of. Just like physical illness isn't something to be ashamed of. If you are ashamed and afraid to talk about your physical illness, then there's no way to get better. If you don't think you have a physical issue, then there's no reason to go to the doctor. Um, and it's the same with our mental illnesses. 
that if we aren't willing to talk about them, if we aren't willing to admit that they exist, then there's no help for us. There's no help. But there is hope. There is hope in the midst of isolation. Um, and I, I'm not super confident to talk on uh, mental illnesses because there's so much that I do not know. There's so much that I have not experienced. But, um, but years ago, I, um, I, I would have these panic attacks um, or anxiety attacks where it was different than anything I had ever felt. And it was this heaviness on my heart and on my shoulders and I just my my head was in such a cloud that I couldn't think clearly um, that there would and it was only when I was alone really if other people were around they could distract me out of it but when I was alone I would get these such heavy um, fogs and they were heavy they, they, they were hard to describe and 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 nearly impossible to escape um, and when I experienced those, I realized that anxiety is a whole lot more than just being worried about something. Um, and in a similar way, depression is a whole lot more than just feeling sad. Um, I had one student, uh, we, we were talking about it in youth group and I asked people, what, what is depression? What's it like? And, and one person was like, oh, it's just when you feel really sad. And another person said, uh, it's like when you're drowning and you don't know why and there's no one who can save you. And between those two students, I could tell who had experienced true depression and who hadn't. Um, and there's a reality there that um, it's easy to write off mental illness like it's something that uh, you should just get over. <laughs> Or you should just stop doing, stop being depressed, stop being anxious, stop acting crazy. Um, but there's a lot more. There's a lot more to it. Um, and part of part of what what we have to do in this mental battle is uh, is remind ourselves of the truth. Because right in that moment when things are so heavy. It is so hard to think about what is true. And so you have to have it written on your heart. You have to be able to, even in your greatest depths, to be able to know the truth and to be able to uh, hold fast to it. And so one thing I want to speak to, uh, uh, speak from Solomon's wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Um, and remember, they're Proverbs, not promises, right? So here, uh, Proverbs 18 verse one, it's, it's very true here. It says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. If you isolate yourself, you are seeking your own desire. And this happens, like this kind of anger and tension sort of thing. Um, when you isolate yourself during that, it's basically like saying, uh, like, well, I don't like any of you guys anyways. Like, screw all you guys. I'm going to go off and be alone. Like, I can't, I can't handle being around you. You're seeking your own desire, saying, I just want to be around people who agree with me and understand me. And apparently none of these people are like that. So I'm going to be alone. I'm seeking my own desire. But then, he, here we go, even, uh, e even deeper than that, in, in these fits of depression 
or or anxiety or um or or sometimes even uh, like schizophrenia where where there is a there is there are these uncontrollable uh like voices or urges um isolation seems right in those moments people don't understand me people can't uh can't help me cope um people aren't able to give me the solutions that i need so what's the point in even talking to them um but isolation feels right in those moments it feels like that's where you're supposed to go when I, when i would have the the heaviness on my heart and on my shoulders um like literally cr like curling up right here is where i felt right it, it's just like no like no like no one else gets it and i just need to withdraw even more within myself um but that that's my own desire and and the second half of that proverb says that person breaks out against sound judgment, breaks out like prison break, like Samson being tied up with ropes and breaking out. Like you're supposed to have sound judgment around you and you're just like, nah, I'm, I'm done with that. And you just break out from it. And it's true. In the midst of, of mental illness, sound judgment is not there. Sound judgment isn't there. Because some, some very kind and well-meaning people will very logically tell you why you should not be depressed or why you should not have anxiety. Um, and it doesn't seem to help. Sound judgment isn't there. And this isolation um, brings a, uh, something upon itself. So I, 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 needed, I, I needed to talk about this because some of you, and me included, have these mental illnesses. Like anxiety is something that I have that, that, uh, that isn't all the time, but, but, but it's there. And if I'm not willing to talk about it, and if I'm not willing to admit the truth about what's going on in my heart and in my mind and on my shoulders and all this, um, then I'll struggle with it forever and never have any solutions, never have any resolve. Um, so I wanted to talk about it to say it's okay. Don't allow some stigma to make you think that you're not allowed to, to talk about this stuff. Because this isolation that we feel, it is a mental battle. It is something that is going on in your mind and you have to fight against it. You have to know the truth. You have to know the value that you have because of the child of God that you are. Because of who your father is. The kind of power that he has over all the earth and even over your own mind. These are things that we have to have written on our minds, written on our hearts. So even in the worst struggle, we can um, fight through it. And in, in our COVID isolation, this is true too. That we have to remind ourselves of the truth. Uh, will things always be like this? Maybe, <laughs> hopefully not, honestly, but like, even if they were, is, is life not worth living? No, there's so much joy to be had. Can God use us in the midst of COVID? You betcha. <laughs> it's so, it is such a minor thing in the eyes of God. It's such a minor thing. Yeah, sure. The entire world system might be disrupted right now, but you know who's not disrupted? The king of all the earth. The king of kings is not disrupted as a result of COVID. The king of kings is not disrupted as a result of two 
uh, different sides fighting, whether it's Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter, whether it's <laughs> Trump versus Biden or versus someone else, <laughs> literally anyone else, please, <laughs> Lord. But <laughs> sorry. Um, but even in, in the midst uh, of that, God is not disrupted. His kingdom does not stop. His kingdom is not threatened at all. Not in the slightest. And we have to remind ourselves of these truths. Are, are we citizens of America? Are we citizens of earth? Or are we citizens of heaven? Where our, our God, our Father reigns as king. And, and he is in charge. When he speaks, things happen. When he speaks, mountains move. When he speaks, people who are in power crumble and fall and other ones are raised up. It is all by his word, by what he ordains. Um, he, is not, uh, he is not threatened at all. And we have to remind ourselves of that truth. It has to be so true to us. We need to know. We need to know that. And remember, it's not just an idea. It is a person. When we know Jesus, then all of these things just fall into place absolutely fall into place. Um, so yes, it is a mental battle. And it's important for you to know that it's okay to struggle with these things. That is fine. That is normal humanity at the moment. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, working our way towards perfection where we will, we'll, we'll only see perfection in heaven. But, but for right now in, uh, on earth, we're going to have these earthly struggles and that's all right. And you can talk to people about it. Um, there, there are people had, in our church family, praise God, who would love, love to sit down and talk with you. Um, and there are people who devote their entire lives to studying and learning about counseling, about therapy. Um, and their job is to, is to speak with people about what's going on. And that is perfectly fine. Counseling has been one of the best things in my life where I can, I can talk to someone and they helped God, they helped me in the middle of my, or, or, I, I go to counseling with Rachel and we'll be having a conversation and they help to guide the conversation to say, okay, now what did you really mean when you said that? And they even will do that with me. Just like, okay, what did you mean when you said that about yourself? And, and they force you to really think about the truth um, and not to live in, in some far off reality, but to live in the present. Um, so that is very true. It is very good to, to recognize what's going on inside of your heart and to acknowledge it and to not run from it. It's all right. Um, but then on the flip side, we are the body of Christ. If you are a believer, then you are a part of the family of God. You are a part of the body of Christ. And Paul has some words for the body of Christ in Galatians. Uh, Galatians chapter six, verses one through five. It's really good stuff. I, I, I'm just going to read it and then I'll talk about it later. He says this, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual, who are led by the Spirit of God, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I'm just going to pause there because you have heard that verse before. If you are a Christian, bear one another's burdens. This is the, uh, the paramount of what the church is about, is we, we support each other. We bear one another's burdens. Um, and this, ah, it's just so good. 
So, so good. Such good Christian brotherhood, sisterhood is right here when we bear one another's burdens. Um, when someone is unable to bear a burden on their own, it is the duty, it is the job of Christians to come alongside one another and to bear that burden with our brother, with our sister. That's our job. So that's what he says. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then he says this, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. <laughs> Don't be all high and mighty thinking that you, uh, that like, oh no, I, I have to bear this on my own. It's like, no, let other people help you bear this burden. And he says, But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast, if he has one, <laughs> will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. So yeah, test your own work. Make sure that it is you who are bearing it because it says this, verse five, for each will have to bear his own load. Wait, but that sounds like the opposite of bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens? Wait, but everyone will have to bear their own load? What? Huh? No, because bear one another's burdens is a process. To bear one another's burdens, to, to come alongside and to help someone up. That is our duty as Christians, but then eventually to lead someone towards health where they can bear that own burden. They don't need me to, to help carry them anymore. I'm still going to be right by their side, but eventually they will be so healthy that they can bear other people as well. They can bear other people's burdens. But here's the thing, bearing, each will have to bear their own load, right? That, that's what it said in verse five, each will have to bear their own load. When we stand before God, it is just us. It is just us. There's no one else we can point to to say, oh, well, like my pastor really had it all together or, oh, my friend over here really had it all together. No, there, it is just us and there's only one person we can point to. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So it's not about what my pastor was able to tell me about Jesus or, or what my pastor knew about Jesus. No, it's about me and what I know about Jesus. Do I know God? Do I really know him myself? Because if I stand before God and I say, I really had a lot of great Christian friends. Uh, God, I had a lot of people who knew you. He will look at me and say, who are you? I don't know you. Uh, and that terrifies me. That terrifies me. I know that I know God. There's no doubt about that. But... Um, uh, I, I know that I've lived a lot of my life being uh, really codependent where I, where I so badly want to help other people know God that, that I pretty much just do all of the Christian things for them. I, I'm like, all right, no, come on. I go pick them up. I bring them to church. Like, oh, no, no. Like I open the Bible. I read it with them. And, but I never allow them the opportunity to choose for themselves. I never allow them the opportunity for, to really read for themselves. I never allow them the opportunity to pray for themselves and to, and to know God. Um, each one will have to bear their own load. Each one will have to bear their own load. But so we have a responsibility as Christians to meet other people in their need, to lift them up, raise them up, help them bear their load. But then also we have a responsibility to nurture them towards health. It's just like in a true body, right? We're the body of Christ, but it's a metaphor. Uh, well, it's reality. But in the metaphor of the body, uh, think about a leg. If a leg is broken, what do you do? You put a cast on it uh, and you use crutches. You literally use crutches to, uh, the, the entire rest of the body compensates to help that broken leg. This, this broken leg is unable to bear weight on its own. It is unable to bear its own load, huh? Um, but we, we work together 
to to walk and the leg still learns how to walk and eventually the bone is healed and eventually the cast is able to come off and eventually that leg can walk on its own again and that's what it means it'll have to we'll have to bear our own load so we 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 bear each other's own, we bear each other's burdens but we work each other uh, towards health and and this this is talking we're, we're talking about isolation as a mental battle remember we 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 work together we don't allow one person's uh, uh, struggle to be their downfall. We work together with them. We, we are the body of Christ with them. There is hope, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> there is hope. Even in the midst of your depression, in, even in the midst of your anxiety, even in the mix, in midst of these things that your mind is doing, things that you do not understand, it is being tormented, it is being tortured. There is hope. There's hope in Jesus. God never leaves you. There's hope in the body of Christ that is around you. Now, I want to move on um, because this is a mental battle. Isolation is a mental battle, but it is also a spiritual battle. Um, there are all sorts of different beliefs about, uh, about demons. <laughs> I'll just come right out and say it. Um, that people have their own demons, right? Uh, that, uh, you know, people would say, oh, that's, that's just his demon. Uh, the, the bottle is his demon or, or, oh, that TV, you know, it's, it's something that nags at you. And that, you know, that it could just be some metaphorical thing. Uh, oh yeah, you have your demons. Um, and mental illnesses could just be one of those nagging things. Uh, but there, but also, I don't really know, but it could be that that is truly a, a, a spiritual force that is fighting against you trying to drive a wedge between you and God, making it incredibly difficult for you to see his face, to know his truth. It is a spiritual battle that we fight. It is a spiritual battle. Um, and there are three people that I want to look at in Scripture, three words that they share um, that I, I feel like they're trustworthy, so we, uh, we'll look at them. Uh, it's Jesus who says something about this. And it's his two brothers, uh, James and Jude. We'll, we'll um, look at some things that they say. But um, Jesus says this in Luke 15. He tells a parable. He tells many parables, actually. He tells these three. The, lost, uh, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost uh, son, the prodigal son. Uh, and these three... Um, Jesus tells right uh, one after the other. And, and he's telling them all to the same group of people. He's uh, in the beginning of verse 15. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus begins to tell, tell these parables. Um, so there's two different groups. The tax collectors who are pretty much Jewish traders, people who, who uh, are willing to sell out their brothers and sisters as Israelites, um, willing to sell them out to, uh, to pay their taxes to the Roman governors. Like, people hate tax collectors. Uh, we kind of, some, some of us hate the IRS. Um, and so there's tax collectors, and there's people who are known sinners. So to Jews, that like, oh, do they work on the Sabbath? Uh, do they... Uh, do they like handle de dead things and they're unclean? Um, 
Well, uncleanliness isn't the same as sin, but, uh, you know, are they prostitutes? Whoever, they're known sinners. Their sin is right out there. Everyone knows it. So, so there's these people that are the tax collectors and sinners, and then there's these people who are the Pharisees and the scribes. These are the super educated people who have their lives together. They have, they have uh, the money. They have the status. The Pharisees are the teachers of the law. Um, so there's these two separate people, two separate groups of people that Jesus is with, and the Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling that Jesus even hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. And um, I'll read uh, the first parable, the parable of the lost sheep, and we'll talk about it. So he says, so he told them this parable, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. And Jesus says the same thing about a woman who lost coins. She, she's got 10 coins. She loses one of them. The nine are all safe. She goes and she searches for the one and then she rejoices when she finds it. And then he tells the parable of, of the two sons, the, the father who has two sons. One wanders off and he, and he lives a, a, a lifestyle full of, of drug, sex, and rock and roll. And, and then he comes crawling back to his father and says, Father, I just want to be one of your servants. But his father rejoices with him instead, lifts him up, puts on a robe, puts a ring on his finger and says, my son who was dead is now alive. Jesus says that it is so, so good to go after someone who is lost, to go after someone who is suffering and to bring them near, to go after the people who are in isolation, to go, off of the go after the people who are stuck in mental strife, who are stuck in some fog, to go chase after them, to go after people, truly this is what it is, to go after people who have believed lies about who they are. See, Jesus doesn't feel bad about hanging out with the sinners and the tax collectors. He doesn't feel bad about hanging out with the estranged, the estranged people um, because he knows that his father rejoices when they are brought back, when, when they are brought back into um, the family, brought back into the fold of God. And so that's part of our duty as Christians, uh, to be like Christ and to chase after people who are lost. And sometimes the people who are lost are Christians who are believing lies about themselves. Chase them down. Chase them down. Be the Christian that Paul talks about in Galatians who bears the burdens of those who, who currently can't bear their own burden. Chase them down chase them down. So there's, the, yes, chase down Christians who are believing lies about themselves. Also, chase down non-Christians because they're also believing lies about themselves. And, and I don't want to be so rude as to say it, but if you're, if you're, if you don't know God, if you, um, if you aren't a Christian right now, there is a truth about your life that, that you're missing. And, and I'm not trying to be rude and say, I'm right, you're wrong. Now, it's not about me being right or you being wrong. It is about the truth of who God is. It is about the truth of who Jesus is, that Jesus is the truth. Um, help people meet the truth. Help people know the truth. Chase them down.
<clears throat> so that's what Jesus says. And then his, his brother, half-brother, right? Um, <laughs> his, his brother James says it like this. James 5, 19 and 20. It says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save his, his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's Jesus' brother who, who eventually recognized him as Lord. Um, I think he, he's a trustworthy source. And same thing, Jesus' brother Jude says this, Have mercy on those who doubt and save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment that is stained by flesh. He says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Wow. Snatching them out of the fire. People who are in the middle of maybe the most difficult time of their life. Which I think it's safe to say that 2020 is one of those times. Snatch them out of the fire. Reach in. Maybe get your arm hair singed and save them. Now, when we're talking about saving, we know that salvation only comes through, through Jesus. Uh, we, we aren't the ones who have the power to save someone's soul. What we have the power to do is to bring someone before God and introduce them. And, and remember, each person has to bear their own burden, so that person has to make the decision on their own. But, but as Christians, we have, a, we have a call. We have a commission to be bold. And to go out and to speak the truth to people. To be honest about what life is about. About who the truth is. Um, but we have a commission to seek out those who are isolated. We have a commission to, for ourselves to not be isolated. Yes, that's true. But we also have a commission to seek out those who are all alone. Seek out those who are isolated. And to bring them in. See, Jesus, he made a way for us. He invited all of us right into the family of God. And he wants us to be like him, inviting others into the family of God. He doesn't want us to come into the family of God and say, wow, this is great. And then when there's someone else who looks as nasty and as dirty as we did, um, to say, Ugh, no, they aren't welcome. No, that's, that's not what we're supposed to do. We, are, we were all sinners. Christ died for us while we were all sinners. And he invited us in to perfect unity with him and with God and with the Holy Spirit. Man, that's a trippy thing. There's the Trinity, right? <laughs> Father, Son, and Spirit. Well, he, God wanted you to be the fourth member to say he want, wanted us to be right in the mix. Right in the mix. I want to pray with you. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your sovereignty, Lord, that you are the one who is in control over everything, that you are the king over all of the universe, and yet you care for us, God. I pray that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, uh, to move in in your, your mighty hand, God, to, uh, God, to be... Uh, the extension of your hand, Lord, that we might reach out and we might snatch people from the fire, God, 
that we might lead people back from wandering, or that we could draw people closer to you. God, it is an impossible thing that we ask, but Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you can draw others to yourself. God, I pray that you would use us in this process. Lord, help us. Help us to experience the true purpose of what our lives are, the truth of who you are, the truth of who we are, Lord. Help us to live in that reality. God, help us to not be victims to isolation. God, help us to be in solitude sometimes um, to meet with you, but God, allow us strength, supernatural strength from you, God. We love you, Lord. We just lift you up, God. We ask that you would send us out. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for letting me uh, speak to you in the middle of the woods. And um, I can't wait to see you guys in person someday. <laughs>